This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I wear a bra as little as humanly possible these days. I've been binge-watching Skinwalker Ranch, and I climbed into a shaft over three stories below the Pyramids of Giza in 2019. Hi, I'm Nicole, and my first language is German. I used to be a raft guy, and my nickname when I was growing up was Nicolade, which is a combination of Nicole and chocolate. Hi, I'm Janelle. I've been seeing dead birds everywhere, again. I am now an auntie, and every time I get my reading done, she tells me that my soulmate is coming in hot. So watch out, boys. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective Podcast. Before we kickstart this episode, we're so pumped. This is our 100th, 100 triple digit episode of the podcast. So we just want to take a moment and celebrate and... Give ourselves a little pat on the back, a little hoorah. This is our fourth season, fourth year of podcasting, five years of this brand being around, and it was pretty wild. So we hope you enjoy our 100th episode. It is a great one, as always, and thank you all for being with us for the last 100 episodes. What readings are you having done? I had Cindy read again. Oh, you did? I actually just got off of it, yeah. And last time she was all like, something's happening here. You're going to get engaged. And then she basically said it again. When was the last time you had the reading? In March. Yeah, it's coming in hot. She said engaged? Well, she started talking about rings last time. And she's like, yeah, I see an engagement in your future. And I was like, girl, I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff can happen fast. I know. And this time too, she's like, there's something here. Something she said it's not any of the boys that are currently in my life though, or that she doesn't think so. So that's interesting. Are you on online dating sites? I'm not right now either. Oh, I'm even more excited. I know I recently stopped, so we'll have to see what shakes out. But every time I'm like, girl, are you sure? <laughs> Amazing. It'll be like finally that I'm quitting. Like I'm quitting dating and it'll probably happen. But Nicole, du sprechst Deutsch? Yeah, ich kann Deutsch reden. <laughs> I always say that I speak German like a a kindergarten because me too. It's like I can speak German a little bit, but I can't hold a, a heavy conversation. I can teach surfing in German though, very poorly, but I can definitely very specific. <laughs> yeah, totally. Did you used to teach people to surf in I did, German? Yes. Well, not not, not in, in German. German. I was like, there's like no water <laughs> you <know>? there. That's- <laughs> I think there's a few spots you could borderline surf like terrible winds well but yeah okay. where I used to live in Tofino we got a lot of German tourists so I would always get the German lessons are you from Germany then or my, parents, my dad is and then my mom's parents are from Germany and she lived in Germany for a while so yeah. my Alma and Opa are from uh-huh. Germany and my my tante my aunt um but my, my dad was born here. So I don't speak German well either. I feel like I have a bunch of slang 
words, but then I started to try to teach myself, but it, I feel like it's a, a roller coaster of, I'm going to learn German and then I'll do it for a couple of months and I quit and then I start back up. But I feel, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> best, best is just to go. I actually, I used to go all the time as a kid and when I was, oh, how old was I? 20, 20, 19, no, 19. I went to Germany for a month and did a practicum out of fire department. <laughs> There's another fun fact. Wait, you did a what? Sorry, say that again. A practicum at a fire department because I used to want to be a firefighter. So I full on attempted to speak German for a month while working at a fire department. <laughs> I feel like, that'd be like, what are all the keywords? Like, get out, like hot, fire. I'd be like, I really need to know these words. Like, give me, <laughs> give me a signal. Yeah, right. Oh, what stopped you? What stopped you from wanting to pursue that further? Yeah, it's an interesting story because it's literally what directed me in the direction I'm going now or am in now. I, first off, I was in Whistler. So, you know, you meet, you meet a guy and you fall in love with Whistler life, like the ski resort life for those that don't know where Whistler is. But I was living there and training to become a forest firefighter and went and did my test and I didn't pass by three seconds. So... I didn't pass and a few like a week later I think my boyfriend at the time was going to Australia and I was like screw it line of credit I'm coming to Australia with you and I went to Australia and for a month drank beer ate meat pies and surfed not really just floundered but and then came back and I actually got a phone call when I got back asking if I thought I could pass the physical and I'm just a little too honest and was like I drank beer and just ate pies for a month I don't think I can pass the physical and <clears throat> I still remember the guy's voice being like uh, uh are you sure like I'm more or less offering you the job you idiot <laughs> like, like no I, I don't think I could he's like okay and then because of that I went back to Australia and learned to surf and got into yoga even more and then did my yoga teacher training so I could teach at surf camps and there I went in more of the yoga surf direction so you know, that's cool. and I'm glad I'm not the only one although I'm not I'm like older now but I still do that in job interviews I'm just like, too honest, I honest sometimes. Right? and then they're like okay and I'm like oh did that ruin okay right honestly, honest weird <laughs> um I was gonna say is there such a thing as like a resting um, the opposite of a resting bitch face because you have the hundred percent opposite of a resting bitch face. I know no one can see this unless they're on our YouTube, if we even do YouTube anymore, nope. but it's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're just, I don't know. I just had to say it before we like move on to anything else. If there's such a thing, I think that you're the embodiment of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Here, I'm pretty sure I, I have some sort of bitch face. I'm pretty sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you if I see it. Down. Yeah, okay, I'll perfect. be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> totally. Everybody perfect. stop. It's out. It's out. <laughs> I have a question about the raft guide. So I've been told from rafters that you know a raft guide is good based off of how smelly they are. Would you agree with that statement <laughs> that's disturbingly awesome <laughs> um yes I think I think it makes 
probably the stink makes them a really good raft guide because they're really good at talking shit and telling you stories because they don't they don't give a shit and they can just lie through their teeth and the stinkier they are the probably the better the liars they are there you go that was kind of what she got at i we had a raft guide and she's like one if they don't fall in the water they haven't and they probably like live in their car and they haven't bathed in a while and then she also said like never trust a raft guide because they're the biggest liars ever 100%, 100%. I mean so, it makes a good guide it does it's yeah, like, like you're not gonna fall on you're totally fine well, yeah. these rapids are chill <laughs> not that yeah. I think you're a liar <laughs> I can that you're a liar but that's what I've been told I don't know I just thought I'd see if it was true that's why yeah. I didn't cut it I lasted a season you know I couldn't lie that was my problem that and is did, true yeah we just I got did. to that yeah <laughs> everyone's like I don't want to go with her <laughs> she said the rapids are scary yeah exactly <laughs> I was gonna say how smelly were you then but yeah sounds like not very smelly yeah I wasn't playing the part (laughs) that's awesome all right well I'm like I want to save as much time as possible to get into the topic at hand so I'm going to go ahead and introduce Nicole before we introduce Nicole come play with us the first and the third Thursday of each month we are offering our monthly workshops on authenticity and our free monthly community gathering called the collective It's a great space to play with other like-minded individuals who are fearlessly finding their true Norths. Speaking of which, about two years ago, almost now, we did our snooze on booze with the Ragnar team. Most of us have kept up with it, and now Whalebird Kombucha, straight out of San Luis Obispo, is helping to support the podcast. We can offer you 10% off your order by using the code Janelle R. Let's party. We'll drop that in the show notes to get some discounted kombucha, and it's so freaking good. My favorite to drink at parties instead of alcohol. Okay, let's introduce Nicole. So first of all, Nicole, we heard on Mark, well, I I think Rachel, you listened to the episode too, right? Okay. So we heard you on Mark Grove's podcast for big fans. And I was like, when you listen to a podcast and you're literally like screaming because you're like, yes, that someone's speaking the things that I didn't really have like language for. And then I was like, we need to see if we can talk to Nicole because she's amazing. And the work you're doing aligns with so much in the conversations that we're having. And then also I think like what we're both going through in our actual lives. So this is going to be really exciting. Um, Nicole supports people in shifting out of survival and into flow through her one-on-one work and her online programs. All too often we focus on what's wrong and on trying to find the answers and quotes to fix everything. Nicole's work is based instead on emphasizing that you are already whole. Hell yes. For her, the importance lies in becoming more connected with yourself by understanding the language of your body and your survival philosophy. By building your capacity and regulation at a nervous system level, your resiliency will only increase. And it's from this place that you'll shift from surviving your way through life into thriving and accessing accessing more of your truth, like your true north. As a somatic experience practitioner, a Feldenkrais practitioner and yoga teacher, her knowledge of the body, mind, and soul greatly influences how she supports others from a very intuitive, energetic, and somatic place. She looks forward to supporting more people and discovering the knowledge that lies within all of this so that we become, so we can become more connected to ourselves and each other and make a lasting positive change together in the world. Fuck yeah. 
Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> that was the best response. Thank you for meeting my energy. <laughs> Come on down. So our first question that we like to ask our guests just to get sort of a, a preview into who you are outside of a bio is what does it look like to be Nicole today? That's a fully loaded question. <laughs> All of them will be. <laughs> right? I love it. Yeah, what does it look like to be me today? I love I love seeing life as an ongoing experiment, an ongoing opportunity to gain awareness and curiosity of who I am. So who I am today is very much a reflection of that, an ongoing process of exploring and unraveling and getting to know myself and my true north ultimately. Like what the hell is that? And what the hell are all my survival patterns that also help me move through this world? And I think that's a big part of who I am in everything that I do in my work, in my relationships, in the activities I love to do. I'm constantly navigating, okay, when am I in my true north? And when am I just trying to survive this situation based off so many different things? And just gaining more and more clarity on what that looks like and who I really am. And I think that's going to be a lifelong journey. So who I am today is, it's funny, you'd think I'd know the answer to this, but I don't. It's such a hard question. We always it ask really questions is. and I'm like, I don't know what I'd say to it. Like, <laughs> right? be like what about you, Janelle? I'm like, God, don't ask me. I don't know. Yeah, right? Totally. I think a big part of who I am is just someone who sees people for who they are. And I think that's something that I really have always had. I remember even in high school, really seeing people in their truth, in their wholeness, in their potential. And that is a big piece of me that I always recognize to be there without consciously needing it to be there or trying to have it be there. And I'm really grateful for that because I think that's really directed where I've gone in life and really also influenced the people I have in my life and what got me sitting here, right? And I'm going to leave it at that for now and then see where the conversation continues to go. I, I think it's what I love about that response is not that it really matters if I love it or not. It is beautiful and whatever it is. Um, but I love that there, when you, in learning the linguistics of the body, at least for me, there's, um, you know, there is a structure there and there is a language to pay attention to, but there are so many nuances to it that to be in that field of work, it would make sense that your answer wouldn't be like, I am this one thing. And like, it's just this final thing because, you know, I think, at least for me, when it comes to the cognitive space, it, 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 the intellectualization, at least from the way that I feel like I've been brought up and trained in the Western world is like, there's a right and a wrong answer. And it, with the body, there isn't a right and wrong. It's like, do I have the capacity to experience the sensations that are happening and put language to it potentially, and really slow down enough to listen to those nuances which are subtly different every single moment if you actually slow down enough to listen. So I think that the answer that you gave really comes from um, a space of being in the exploration of, of 
body, body language and body experience. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you pointing that out. Cause yeah, I can give you lots of facts about who I am, but that's no fun. <laughs> um, I have a question that goes like really specific. So you're a Feldenkrais um, practitioner. And I guess before we even go into that um, a little bit on just like where, where I am with my own um, connection to my body is last year, um, gosh, mid-year, I started seeing a somatic therapist and for the first time ever learned about the polyvagal theory. And we always do like a wrap up episode at the end of the year. And my biggest lesson of last year was the idea of learning how to cultivate safety within your body. And I had never known, didn't really know that that was a thing or that I was pretty much in hyper arousal and have been in survival mode my entire life. And I had spent that six months and, and more into even now starting to pay attention to what it feels like in my body when I'm regulated versus in survival mode. And a month ago I was diagnosed with PTSD from when I was a kid. So I'm like very much in the beginning stages of understanding all this, but throughout the course of my life, I've heard people who have been in the, um, Alexander, Alexander, I think it's the Alexander method. And then I have a friend. Yeah. I have a friend who, um, who went to school for the Laban, um, method. Have you heard of that? It's out of the UK, I believe. Um, and so I was curious how those things overlap and are different or the same, um, as we just get into this, because I know you're in the Feldenkrais, um, methodology and, and what, what are those differences? Why did you go that direction versus other ones? Yeah. Great question. So the Feldenkrais method is named after Moshe Feldenkrais. And he, in my opinion, was well into neuroplasticity before neuroplasticity was a thing. He was all about exploring how the brain and the body communicate, how the nervous system communicates with the brain. And he used movement as an in to get to know yourself and to change habits and patterns movement is such a great way for us to connect because we see movement, we feel movement, we get movement and we can start to really feel when something is more difficult and challenging versus when something is easy and more elegant. And he used movement, uh, either movement lessons, kind of like a yoga class, but also very different. And also one-on-one where a practitioner is working with someone and really exploring the structure, really exploring how it is we're overcompensating or undercompensating and really using these certain techniques to refine how we are organized and recognize that the brain can very quickly change itself if we show it how. So before neuroplasticity was a thing, he was really teaching people how to rewire the brain. And what I loved about that modality and still love about that modality is it really brings us into our body. And I don't know enough about the Alexander technique or these other techniques to speak of them. Although I know a lot of techniques have branched off, like started off as Feldenkrais practitioners and then branched off to become their own modality or studied around the same time as Moshe Feldenkrais. So, you know, there's a lot of back and forthing and and we all have our own technique ultimately. but it's such a beautiful way to 
really experiment and explore and gain that awareness and gain that opportunity to get to know self better. And to me, it, I got into Feldenkrais after yoga, yoga, my yoga practice I was enjoying, but also felt like pieces were missing. And when I started dabbling into Feldenkrais, it's like, yes, this is something I need to know. My body just knows. My body just responded in such a beautiful way. Where I was like, oh, this, like, yes, this is how I'm supposed to feel. This is how I'm supposed to move. And it just led to more and more curiosity down that realm. And my yoga teaching changed dramatically. To me, it was less about this physical form and more about the elegance of getting to know how I can move myself and be myself in my body. So that then of course, led to deeper inquiries. And I was like, okay, there's still missing pieces. I want more. And that's what got me into the trauma work. That's what got me into somatic experiencing. So somatics, just for anyone who doesn't know, is it just means of the body. So there's a lot of modalities of there, out there that use the word somatics in their, in their title or in their description. And what's great about all of them is they're inviting us into our body. Somatic experiencing is the work of Peter Levine, and it's very specific around healing trauma from a nervous system perspective. So that's where the survival physiology really plays an important role, working more with the lower brain, the reptilian brain, even though obviously our entire brain is involved in everything that we do, but really paying attention to our survival states. And this is where listening to the body can become so valuable. The more we recognize we're in these survival states, the more we can recognize when we're not. So for example, like you were saying, um, Rachel, is this sense of safety? Like, oh, I don't know I'm safe until I recognize that I'm no longer feeling threat, right? And for a lot of people, they don't even know what it means to actually experience a sense of safety. And to me, that's the foundation of a lot of the work I do is, working towards creating a stronger foundation so that we can move out of survival and into recognizing what it means to be in less survival and then eventually in this sense of safety and connection and truth because without us resting in this place of safety or being able to regulate ourselves and move through our daily events that are constantly happening we aren't really accessing our deepest truth yeah there's I'm reading the body keeps score right now and um, I'm going slowly so that I can actually take it in and listen to my body as I'm reading it. Um, but one of the things that resonated with me was that there's a bottom up approach to healing trauma and a top down. And I've always loved that idea, even from an organizational standpoint of like how change can happen. And so um, the idea, what I hear um, and what I read in there was like, these body practices are a way for, to have like a bottoms up approach, not to negate the top down. That's, that's also still important because in fact, they are actually all one. Like the whole body is actually the mind. I've also had heard conversations about that, which I love. Um, but in that practice, it's, it's been really interesting for me to just start to even notice um, the biggest thing for me has been recognizing, um, it's not that I couldn't feel my body, uh, but I can now feel when my body, like, it's almost like the blood has drained out of it. And it's like, um, it, it, 
is numb. It like actually is numb. And I have, I would say I have a pretty high pain tolerance. And I'm curious now as I'm starting to like let my body come back online, if the next tattoos that I get, I'm actually going to, if they're going to maybe fucking really hurt or something, because I literally on a day to day, I can feel, um, I can feel the blood, the blood drain out of my hands. I can feel, and I didn't used to feel that way. And so when that happens, you know, I have my ways of being able to, you know, come back and, and feel my, feel where I am feeling my body. And, um, and I know when I'm not in that place, I, everything that I'm responding from is that place of survival, which tends to be, you know, a bit narcissistic, um, potentially manipulative, abusive to myself and to others. And so from an intellectual standpoint that has supported me in this work, because I want to be a contributing member of, of, um, you know, the people around me in the world in a positive way. And I know that I can contribute that through understanding my body, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that you share that because there's that value in awareness, right? It's now through the awareness you start to have the opportunity to get curious about what else is possible. And as you unravel these pieces, you can start to again recognize, oh, here I am in these survival patterns that have served me really well in the in the past. And you're discovering these other layers of who you are. It's such a beautiful process and a bitch of a process, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not easy. It takes time. And that's, you know, people that always ask like, how long will this take? Or, you know, how many sessions should I book? I'm like, Ooh, uh, the rest of your, the rest <laughs> yeah, of your life. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I was going to ask a specific to that because I had also been one of those people definitely that I numbed out was like not very in tune with my body um Rachel and I met because we were running a fitness studio and I think in that world even though you learn how to control your body I think a lot of it for me was I was like pushing a ton and just like I would just numb it out because it's like well buddy we have to teach 20 classes this week and then you're training for a race and you're also not going to sleep and but you know blah 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 so even though you're teaching people how to move their body and to like check in you're not actually in your own body Um, but what I've been finding as I've been even just checking in with like emotions and how they show up with my body, because that's another thing I really numbed, like a lot of people, um, the, I don't know, we talk about like the infinity loop, but how, like, I'll feel like I'm on this trajectory where I'm like, yeah, you know, I got this. I'm like internal, my body, I'm recognizing the signals. Okay. I'm anxious. It's all good because it's telling me something. And then it's like, and then I just fall off a cliff. And then I feel like I'm just like in the pit of like, what the hell? Like I was doing all this work. I was feeling really good. I thought I was making progress. And then I feel like I just slid down to hell. So I'm curious as you work with people, is that an experience that a lot of people have or, I don't know, let's just talk about, let's just make me feel normal, maybe. <laughs> totally. Happy, happy to support you in feeling normal, <laughs> whatever the hell that is. <laughs> yeah, it's a, actually really common. And what, what is ultimately sad is our world has been taught to override. Our world has been taught to bypass, right? We're fine. We're fine. Carry on. Let's go. And I do feel like more and more people are inquiring, which I think is such a beautiful thing. Like we're all like, there's something in the air or who the hell knows what's influencing this, but something's there that's really 
getting a lot of us to inquire. Probably everyone that listens to your podcast is on a similar journey, right? We're all here inquiring, whereas that was not something we were taught to do. And the more we inquire, the more we notice, but we only have the ability to notice so much before it's too much. And even though we consciously, our mind is like, yeah, give it to me. Like, I got this, let's do this. There's signals in your brain and your body that are like, this is too much. Nope, cut it off, shut her down. Let's go back to doing what served us best in the past, which was to shut down and not feel or dissociate or freeze or, right, there's all these kind of different ways of doing. I was going to say, eat eat food and watch reality TV. Yes, exactly, right? Distract. Why would I feel? Why would I feel? That's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, so you're so normal. And also again, there's that curiosity piece, right? There's this recognition. So what I often invite in those types of situations or when we're, we are becoming aware of some of our patterns is how soon can you detect you're moving more in that direction of like whoop, shutting down, crashing, wh- you know, whatever it is your pattern is. But the sooner we can kind of detect we're moving in towards something that's too much, that's where we get to pause and get curious because it's on that edge where we really want to be careful and titrate and experiment in a way where it's like, Hey, check this out. We can do this and be okay. Or I can be in this uncomfortable situation and I'm not going to die. Cause that's ultimately the perception is like, I'm going to die, shut it all down or distract or dissociate or whatever it is you tend to do. So we all need to teeter on the edge of the cliff. Totally. (laughs) Well, but yes. And as somebody who's like, that cliff is like pretty significant trauma triggers. And so like the, the trauma recovery that I'm in is asking me to, well, it asks everybody to face the thing that you are literally the most afraid of that you are able to like shut your system down in order to avoid it, which is like, so like that edge, even though it sounds like, like fun to say is like, fuck me, truly. Um, and I was going to say, um, how has, for me, compassion has bit self-compassion has been like such a critical part of navigating this space, particularly since, you know, I don't have my therapist like living with me, you know, so that I can be like, yo, I wanted to yell her name. <laughs> I need your help. Like right now it's happening. It's happening. I didn't expect it to happen. It's happening. Um, you know, the more I do this, the more I, I freak and then I'm like, breathe, exhale. And then I, and then I remember again, like, oh yeah. Okay. I at least have one tool at my fingertips that I can like, okay. I remember now that come back to my body. I remember my, my fire alarm is going off and my frontal lobe, the watchtower isn't used to coming online. What can I do to bring it back online? So whatever. Um, but what I was going to say is, um, the self-compassion piece has been huge because of the shame that's involved. And so I think Janelle, that's what I heard you kind of speaking to a little bit in that as we go through this process, especially coming from a world where it's like, you got to get it right. You have to already know the answer before you step through the door and have it done perfectly. Otherwise you're 10 steps behind. And, um, this really has required me to embrace the fact that for the rest of my life, I am going to have to sit in this happening and how to be okay with that. And the 
the ability to stop that shame or not stop it, but like catch it and love it or whatever is, has been really critical. So I'm curious how that plays out in your work. Okay. There's a lot of things in there. Let's see. Let's see where I go here. So first I want to kind of, first I want to poke a little bit at the piece that it doesn't always have to be big and scary that when we're moving into some sort of activation, the more we can even recognize we're moving into activation and finding these patterns where we don't necessarily move through our experience and we kind of get stuck or rely on one of our survival patterns to to kind of rescue us or a coping strategy or a resource even, the more we really recognize we're doing that, the more we can build our capacity. So the more we become aware of our experience, so even in our day-to-day doings, the more we can recognize, ooh, I'm starting to move into one of my survival patterns here. I'm starting to shift into wanting to resource or take a few deep breaths or eat that piece of chocolate or turn on Netflix. The more I can sit in that and experiment in that moment, even though they're not really big situations, that's gonna help me build capacity because it allows me to be in the uncomfortable situations that aren't big and scary uncomfortable. So I think that's really important to recognize that it doesn't have to just be these big pieces of work that we're poking at, but this can be a daily regular practice of really noticing where am I getting stuck on a daily? What patterns do I have on a daily? And how can I support myself to move through these experiences in different ways? So that when I approach these big pieces, I have a different sense of myself, a different way of supporting myself and a different way of really knowing where my edge is without going too far, because it really can be really subtle work that has huge impact. And then the scary thing isn't nearly as scary, scary, but I didn't do something insane where I blew up, right? So I really wanna emphasize that for those that are first inquiring, like it's a daily practice. So that sounds like moving the chains versus like, I was seeing the edge is like, we're gonna take you to the edge of your cliff and you're just gonna get comfortable standing there. And I was like, Uh, no. <laughs> Pull in all my resources. Pull Instead, in all my I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But what I just heard there was like in football, like you're like moving the chains and pretty soon you are like at that you've made a touchdown and you're like, oh my God, we did it. So, yeah. okay. That feels, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. Totally. <laughs> Rachel, are I you often... picturing like angels landing where it's a drop off on both sides and you're in like a two foot thing. We, we did that hang together and I just feel like all of us were like, I'm going to, sh- like, I'm seconds away from shitting my pants. Like, that's... <laughs> like I'm going to die anyway. Amazing. The edge, the edge is real. There's multiple edges. There's not just the big edge. So to really recognize like, I often talk about vortexes and it's like, we don't have to go into the eye of the vortex. We're just brushing on the edge and then we're coming back and okay, I just rode through something. I just peeled a layer of this away. And that's, that to me is where the juice lies. Yeah. Okay. So that's one piece of that. The other piece of that, that I kind of want to, wanted to emphasize on the compassion piece. I think it's real beautiful. You have access to compassion some people that might still just be a word and the experience and felt sense of compassion might not be there yet. Um, What an incredible resource to hold you or to support you in the chaos ultimately. And a word I often use or invite people to use is this sense of 
like I'm already whole. I'm already whole or I already am my true north, even though I've got all this gunk in my way, right? So this, this recognition that that true north piece is there, the recognition that the wholeness is there, and the recognition that for every chaotic chaos, there's also a piece that has compassion, that has a sense of truth, that has a sense of I'm already whole. And this is something we often forget. We get lost in our vortexes. We get lost in what's wrong, right? And an analogy I like to share with people is when you're in the chaos, when you're in your survival pattern, when you're in your trauma, whatever you're in, we often see ourselves as that because it's big and we just associate it as it. And if you haven't done any inquiring, you might not even know that anything else is different. And I often draw a big circle like, okay, you are that, you're this chaos. This is how you associate yourself. And then here's my true north or here's my wholeness. It's a small circle within the big circle. But what we can start to play with is this idea of switch the circle, make your big circle be you and your wholeness and recognize that you've got all kinds of little circles that are all your chaotic traumas and your survival patterns and your way of being and surviving in this world. But ultimately you're this whole wholeness, this big circle of wholeness. And to me that can, if it resonates, it can definitely create a different experience where I can be in my truth and my true north and my wholeness, whatever word we want to put to it. I can be in that while being in my other experience. I'm not bypassing it. I'm not, you know, unless I need to, I'm not dissociating unless I need to. I'm not freezing unless I need to, but I can hold all of it. And there lies the compassion. Right? It's this, yeah, I got me. Yeah, I appreciate the um, the ability to bring more words in because I know even myself, I sometimes am like self-compassion. We've heard it a million times. What does it actually mean? Or even like Kristen Neff, thank you so much for everything you've done. But her approach is sometimes, you know, doesn't really resonate with with people. Just the, um, she, you know, she's has a sweetness to her that can be a bit off-putting. I'll speak for myself. It was off-putting at first. So um, I'm like, there were some fucks in there. Um, so I just appreciate the ability to expand beyond just the, the one word um, to be a bit, it just feels more inclusive. Can, can we talk about emotions and what it's like to feel them? Because I mean, we've felt emotions before, but I don't know if we like really feel them that often. I didn't, like I'd spent, like I said before, so much of my life not feeling them and to actually start to feel things is I'm in the sense like I feel like people hear it and it's like okay whatever but like when you actually start to feel things it's like it's jarring and sometimes I'm like what the fuck is happening and then like oh this is just what it feels like to actually feel sad or you know or like I don't so I would love to just get into that whether because I'm sure people experience feelings differently but like what that's looked like for people that you've worked with. I don't know, Rachel, maybe in throwing some of your examples in and adding language to it because it will probably be different for everybody. Yeah, I think that's a great inquiry to, for all of us to explore. I too, like my personal experience has been very much the unraveling of what the hell emotions are. I grew up in a pretty 
everything's awesome family. I mean, my childhood was great, but did we express many emotions? Did we ride through many waves? Nope, we were all pretty neutral. So the unraveling or the, uh, the discovering ultimately of what emotions are for me is still an ongoing process. And what I love is we are a human experience and some of us experience ourselves as human more as sensation, right? For me, it's so easy to be in my body. For other people, they're more about the meaning making and really understanding all these pieces and making sense of. For other people, they're more about the affect and the and the, the emotion, like they have tons of access to that. For other people, they're more sensory and imagery and see the world like that, right? There's all these pieces on how we can show up as humans. We've got our, how we move and our behavior and how we interact that way as well. So what I would invite is for people to recognize like, what's my strong sense? What, what do I have the most access to? Like for me, sensation, behavior, like really understanding my physical body and my internal and my energetic system that's like, ooh, game on. And that's why the, the, I do the work I do because I have such easy access to that. But ask me to, yeah, tell you what emotion I'm feeling. What, how do I do that? And this, this is undercoupling. This is where it's like, I'm having an emotion or I'm not even, and I should be. So for example, like someone just died or I, I lost a pet, right? And there should be understandably some grief there or some sadness there. And I don't feel it, right? It's undercoupled. It's like, I have no connection in my brain that this is a sad experience. But the more we start to dip into understanding ourselves and unraveling these layers, the more we get these whispers of emotion and then sometimes bigger and bigger emotions. And then it's a matter of recognizing, oh, this is sadness. Hey, body, like, hey, mind, like we got this. Look at, we're feeling sad. Oh, I cried a little, right? Like it's, it's, an opportunity to recognize like, oh, how am I feeling? And what emotion might this be? And especially for those of us who are undercoupled, it's like, oh, I saw this in a movie once. This is definitely sadness, right? Like that's something I'll do with clients often is like, okay, if this isn't available, how did you see it in someone else? How did you know that that's what joy looked like? Like, oh, Okay, yeah, that's what joy kind of looks like. Have I ever experienced that? Oh, the other day I had this tiny little whisper of something. Maybe that was joy. And then there's the room for more and more exploration and understanding of like putting a meaning to an experience to recognize that it's an emotion. And for other people, they're like, I feel emotions all the time. I have no idea what you're talking about, Nicole. It's <laughs> like, my life is emotions and I'm so, I have so much emotion. But I, don't necessarily I can't make sense of it or I can't match it to my experiences or I am over emotional and explode with anger when I don't necessarily need to right something is over coupled there whereas for myself it's under coupled right so it's again the opportunity to inquire about the big picture how am I showing up as a whole human being what is my experience here and then how can I decipher what is this and gain more clarity around oh, this is joy. I can experience joy and be okay versus I can't even experience this. And what is this? This is too overwhelming. This is scary. This is stressful. It's not okay to feel joy because it's all mixed in with a bunch of other trauma. So, I mean, I'm not directly talking to emotions. I'm talking a little bit more to the whole human body experience, but 
there's a start of a conversation there and yeah I'd love to hear what you two have to say yeah no I think that's helpful and I feel like it's different for everyone and I'll even say from my experience I think as a child I was overwhelmed with emotions and then I learned how not to feel my emotions and that's actually something I've been working with even in my fair uh, my therapy sessions is she's like literally anytime you feel an emotion you just smile or you laugh because it's like yeah we like learn to not express those things and smiling or laughter is socially acceptable like I, I'll never forget I got hit by a car I was like a pedestrian sidewalk and I'm in the ambulance laughing hysterically and I'm like also crying but like laughing and I think they were just like you actually okay <laughs> like what is going you know like, but that was like that's now and anytime I've broken a bone or anything that is like I just and I know that also calms down your nervous system but like that is my response to almost anything anything uncomfortable anything because I feel like that had been taught to me like that's a positive outward expression but crying isn't anger isn't da, da 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 and so I've really just been trying to play with that like even when I'm sad and I know I'm sad I'm like I can't get myself to cry even though a lot of times I want to but I'm so conditioned to not cry and so I'll sit there and I'll be like just cry Janelle just cry and like a lot of times I can't do it and I know the second I cry like I'll feel better I need that release but it's like my body is so shut down from those emotions that like even when I'm actively trying it's like nah just, just smile and laugh. And That's a great example of overcoupling where it's like something's happening, whoop, mask it with the laughter. And what I find helpful in those kind of situations is like, this is a survival pattern I've learned. I like to call them allies, right? Oh, my allies jumping in, making me laugh here. And it's like, okay, allies, wait, we're not at war here. You don't have to make everything fun and like fight this for me through laughter can you back off slightly? And this is where the compassion comes back in where it's like, I recognize your value in the past. You've helped me. Now, how can I uncouple this? How can I tease that apart where like laughter is great in this context. And I'm going to get you allies to pause for a sec, step back slightly to see if there's another piece that can evolve here so that the undercouple piece of, for example, the sadness or the fear or whatever other emotion, anger, can then start to feel safe enough to arise. And that's the, the, the important piece of safety again, right? The more we have capacity and the more that there's a sense of it's safe, then that's when the other pieces can start to come online and be like, hey, you're, you're okay here. And if not, the allies will step right back in and you can laugh again. Yeah, the question is an interesting one because I, I, I was trying to think for myself or sense like, so when I talk about body, body expression, I am pre-conscious to use the word sensing I'm sensing versus feeling. Um, I, for a long time, I feel a lot, but I couldn't really name what the feeling was. And so I'm learning the nuances with emotion just as much as I'm learning the nuances with my felt experience or my sensed experience. Um, and so, yeah, the question of emotions I, right now, I, I see them, how they cross over at times, but I've mostly been exploring who I am and my human experience with them as like, not totally mutually exclusive, but almost as separate things that I'm exploring. And so 
in any given moment, like I've noticed that if I'm moving into survival mode, I'll get this um, almost like radiating sensation in the back of my lower neck, right where the amygdala is now that I know that I didn't before. And when I was first doing this work, um, I would feel that and I'd be like, I'm fine. Why is that pain there? Like what's happening? And then without fail within the next 24 hours, I would be like expressing survival tactics, like it through behaviors. And I'd be like, oh, I actually, that was, it was trying to let me know, didn't listen. And here we are again. And, um, and so I, I'm still like paying attention to the sensations. And then when I'm in those moments of like, I'm in survival, depending on where I am, because if I'm in it, I just need to, I will just put my shoes on and go for a walk. And just like, I just need to exhale. I need to four, eight, breathe or smell some fresh air, like tap my body, tap my legs. Like, Hey, you online legs. All right, let's start a walking. Um, and once I get to that place where I'm actually like, okay, I'm here. It's May 26th at 5 54 PM, you know, and I'm, then I can start to ask like, what am I, what, what was here? What emotion is here coupled with my sensed experience? Um, so yeah, I don't know if they're more integrated than that or will ever be, but it's too much if I'm trying to like put it all together more than that at this point. Um, so I don't, that, I don't know if that really answered your question. That's just the experience that I have and how emotions fits in right now. I love that because it's a great example of when we're in the depths of it, like we're just stuck in it. And the more we learn the tools to kind of pull ourselves back out and access a little bit more of the truth or the wholeness pieces, even though we're in the experience still, then we have more access to understanding the experience instead of just being totally caught up in the experience. I think that's huge to recognize. Yeah. I'm really curious what it will be like to be aware of my somatic experience when I'm not just learning about my survival experience, because so much of, of it right now is to learn when I'm regulated and dysregulated. And I'm curious what it's like for humans who are just like listening to their body on a day to day and like what that is like. Cause right now it's so much of me just trying to pay attention to what cues are indicating for me that I'm in survival so that I can um, care for myself as you know, sooner before it gets, you know, sooner up the, up the stream, um, so that I can actually love myself and start that practice earlier on. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe you have some insight into that. I was going to just ask both of you the question of how do you know when you're less in the survival state or how do you know you're accessing or in more of your true North? Cause that to me, like when you know that experience, what's stopping us from paying attention to that? Yeah, I can answer. Uh, what it feels, my skin feels loose. Uh, it feels like I um, am like locked into earth, um, almost like plugged in. And it feels like I am taking up space, but not like a, like a shield where I'm like knocking things over. It's this like inclusive, like, 
um, feeling that um, feels connected. Um, yeah, that, that's the best I can explain it right now. And my heart is open and there's like a, such a slowed downness to it that I feel like a second could be a year. Like I mix, I can feel and like so much within any given moment. And there's a lot of beauty. It's also brighter. Things are brighter. And, and what's cool is like, as you talk about it, you're in it, right? Like, I don't know if those that are listening can hear, there's a huge contrast in how Rachel shows up when she talks about that. Right. Like, and, and this is the, here's that example of like, right. We're always caught up in trying to fix. We're also always tra- caught up trying to make sense of all these experiences we have yet you had right now are having a very different experience that isn't a trauma response. That's just you accessing your truth. It's right there. It can, it's there all the time. Right. You're amazing. You totally just, <laughs> people rarely catch me off guard like that. You totally just got me to answer my own question. You're uh-huh. fucking awesome. Thank you. No cool. problem. <laughs> True. Janelle, just, you have an answer? Well, kind of actually similar, but it's much shorter. I was just going to say, it's sort of like when I'm high, but without being high, which similar, it's just like things slow down. Like there's a sense of calm. There's a sense of groundiness. Like I'm very present and things are very tactile and I'm not saying y'all should go get high to feel, you know, <laughs> true North, but that's like the all, like one of the most comparable states, which probably is why people love weed, but that I felt like when I am sober and like in the present moment and not in that survival state it's like very much the same like things are like grounded but they're light like I feel very unbothered by basically everything I'm just like and not in like a shutdown way like I can feel emotion but no one like I'm not agitated or irritated it's just like oh like that's nice there's a bird there he said something I don't really like that it's making me feel something but you know not about me just like you know very like huh it's just like a big exhale And I think that's what's really beautiful is like you just ask this question and you're there, right? You have access to it. Not everyone will, but it's an important question to inquire about on a regular, I think, because the more we can access this, the more we can, again, then support the trauma pieces from a very different place. So I appreciate you both sharing that because hopefully other people inquire about that question too and how they experience it in the body. You know, what else is interesting is I'm thinking if we would have had this conversation a year ago, I would have had a very eloquent answer, but it would have been a very intellectualized answer because that's where I was. Um, And so I would have described, but I probably would have um, talked really fast had a lot of words that didn't totally land. And so I was continue, I would continue to be trying to like find the right words or defend the thing. And I can recognize that now, not only in myself, but I can also recognize that um, in others too, with, with a lot of like um, compassion is, I'm just gonna keep saying compassion with a lot of compassion because I, it is that dance between the two. And I can actually feel myself weaving in and out which is also beautiful because at the end of the day, I'm realizing my survival response is not something to beat out of me. It's um, actually like, I, I almost, it's like um, 
something that I can celebrate at, at how strong my survival response actually is and that I can actually count on me to be able to get through things. And, um, that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing too, when it's coupled with my ability to, um, to be in my body too. So. I agree. That's, I mean, to me, that's the journey is the learning to differentiate who am I and who are my survival patterns and when am I in each of these experiences or all of these experiences. And to me, that's, that's the life journey is the deciphering and differentiating in between that and then really establishing more and more of a stronger foundation so that I feel safe enough to show up in my truth more and more often. I was going to, that's the work. I was going to ask kind of your own journey. I know you had talked about teaching yoga and that was kind of the gateway, but I feel like a lot of times in our work, especially something that isn't as common, it connects back to our, our own story and our own experiences. So even outside of the, the yoga and the movement, as you started to get deeper and deeper into learning this, like what was that experience like for you as you were discovering all these, these things potentially about yourself and your own body and experience in it? Yeah, ultimately the, uh, the realization like, holy shit, I, I was shut down my whole, whole life. I didn't even know. <laughs> and I still am. I'm sure there's still a lot like I can feel there's a deeper sense of who I am that I'm still uncovering. And, you know, it's, to me, there was just always a, a knowing and an inquiring that's constantly present. Like there's more to know, there's more to know, there's more to know. So the constant following of that, I, I can't imagine not having this work or knowing what I do know, even though there's a lot of the time where I wish I was just ignorant and didn't know any of it because it's definitely a lot easier. I think for me, my journey has definitely just been the unraveling of like, whoa, who am I really? And I'm only feel like I'm scratching on the surface because there's so many layers that I feel like there's still like, yeah, lifelong journey of unraveling and uncovering. And it's amazing and a pain in the ass. When we first started this podcast, I think one of the two of us at one point were like, well, like once we get through a few seasons, like what is there going to even be to talk about anymore? Because like once you know who you are <laughs> and then totally. like season, end of season three, beginning of season four, we're like, we literally are going to have this podcast for the rest of our lives because this, this is like, there's so much constantly and like, we're constantly figuring out new things and we're constantly changing and like, it's so beautiful. And so totally. we're like, well, can we like repeat a topic? And then we're like, well, everyone's experience is like different within a topic. And now I just feel like we're like, we're looping, we're looping, we're looping, but it's every conversation is truly different, but it's kind of about the same thing. And then we get into our themes and yeah, it's, yeah, it's the ongoing work for sure. Ongoing. I love it. I thought I was going to solve this Rubik's cube like, in 2020, but you know. <laughs> if you do, you'll be a gazillionaire. You're good to right. go. Good luck. Yeah, but you'll only figure it out for one person, which is yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, damn it. <laughs> this is my plan. <laughs> we are trying to solve the world's problems here, Rach. So, why, why do you think? the body aspect is, um, is so essential in getting to know yourself. I mean, yes, it's understanding, um, a huge access point, but like what, what else is there? 
Why else is it important? Because I mean, I made it for a very long time as a very high level executive without having very many body cues. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I, people thought I was charismatic and I was, and I was still pretty awesome. And there was more. So I'm just curious. I think the more we get out of our logical mind, not that it doesn't play importance because it definitely does. The more we heal our trauma, the more we get to know ourselves, the greater access we have to intuition, to instincts, to deeper knowing. And I think that's where the juice lies is to show up as a real human being and respond to life from a place of just knowing that is a beautiful thing. So yes, I can survive by being a high exec who knows, who just like, like you said, can manipulate, can read the room, knows exactly what to do. Like that's a mad skill. And to, you know, show up in life from such a different place where you're just accessing that deeper knowing and showing up in truth. Like that's, that's where the magic lies. That's where we gain access to so much more information. So I think to gain that, you have to learn to listen to the body. It's interesting that you, as you were talking, what came through for me was in our productive world and in that example of like being the executive and why do I need to listen to my body? It is actually so much more efficient for me to have the body insights at the ready for me on, on so many levels. Um, my ability to be agile and meet a moment with what's actually there to address what's happening within me quickly or to do what I need to, to be able to come back and then take the action that I need to actually take. Um, it is so much more efficient. It, t- it, it takes time to, to understand, but um, what is that? It's slowing down to speed up. I'm sure there's like a million, you know, quips like that. Um, so it's funny. And as we were talking, I was just like, oh yeah, totally. But it, it, it's easy to get caught in like, I don't have time for that. I need to just like, this is the way it's been. We got to just do it this way. Um, yeah. And chances are, if you do, you will crash and burn. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Like, I, yeah, if you're running at that pace, you can only sustain that for so long. And then, oh, why did I have a midlife crisis? Or why did I get sick? Or why do I have digestion issues? Or, blah, you know, the list goes on. So, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was at, I was, go ahead, Jill. Uh, I was just going to say, we had this conversation in the collective, which is like our monthly gathering, but we were talking about intuition and, and feeling in your body. And I was even just saying, like going to a restaurant and ordering something and I'll just like wait and wait. And they'll be like, you know, it's like everyone ready. And it's like, okay, I'm not, but in the moment, I'm just going to like listen to my gut and decide. Um, and I've been trying to do that more in my life. Cause I'm definitely a data collector and then an overanalyzer and like, is this the best decision with this place? Most people, blah, 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 you know, all the things. And for anyone else that's like this, like that, I share what I've been doing more so. And sometimes people sort of laugh at it now, but like, I'll just make a decision based off of my gut, even though I think I'm still developing um, like trust to myself and being able to really check in and like, is this me or is this something else? And just sort of also being prepared to accept the consequences. (laughs) Like you said, like sometimes I do make a decision and it like, wasn't really actually 
in line with me. And I can see that later, but like, I just take the crashing and the burning and be like, all right, pick yourself up. And like, you're going to do it again. But like, I've been starting to get into more of a pattern where it's like, oh, what I thought was a hit of intuition was an accurate hit of intuition. And not that like intuition means it has to go right. Like all the time, like, you know, there can be potentially like a less than ideal outcome. Um, But just sort of like trusting in that. And then if I do crash and burn, it's just like, all right, cool. Like another experience, you'll pick yourself up and like check in a little bit more and have a little bit more knowledge for next time. Um, which I guess is still, it's like still data collecting, but in the sense that I guess I just like jump and try it and <laughs> like, and then I'm like, Oh, it worked. It didn't work. Okay. Keep moving versus the overanalyzing and the, is this going to be right? What do people think? Da, 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 da. It's like a live experiment ultimately. Totally. Yeah. Um, what are you wrestling with when it comes to this work still? Oh, you want the list? <laughs> yes, it's your opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> we'll coach you through. <laughs> A big ongoing piece. Oh, there's okay. I'll start with this one. So connection. Connection relationship pieces really feeling the sense of ultimately deserving and having permission to belong I think that's one of my biggest pieces there's some intergenerational stuff in there there's my own stuff in there there's so many layers to it but really it's interesting because as my business like it is very much about building community and connection and a place to have these deeper conversations where we can talk about our experiences and then the practice of that in my everyday life and really feeling that sense of safety and not having to kind of keep someone at a distance and, and really allowing myself to be supported. That's the ongoing practice that I keep uh, discovering deeper and deeper layers of that is an ongoing scary thing (laughs) especially dating as a single person and just like dipping into the dating world like I've been single for a long time now with some short intermittent relationships but it's like I've done my work on my own now let's do it in relation and yeah friends family and then intimate relationships is like the ultimate opportunity for me to just be unraveling the deeper layers of these pieces for me that's that's my biggest in my face one for sure um another ongoing piece for me is and this is why I love the opportunity for podcasts is finding my words right and because I am such a somatic body-based person to put words to what I'm experiencing and feel feel the connection of that and not just be me fishing for words like we were talking about emotions like really feeling that I can be embodied in my experience and voice my experience whether that's just talking on a podcast or expressing myself when it's a little even more stimulating and activating right and speaking up for myself and saying what I want or saying what I don't want or saying what's important to me that's another really cool piece that I've been playing with and it's been really like podcasts is such a great opportunity for me to feel like oh whoa Nicole what you answered that question that way what the hell was that that just came out of your mouth versus like oh yeah okay I feel good I feel embodied I feel here I feel connected with the people I'm talking with like I mean it's an ongoing 
thing that I'm constantly aware of when I'm in relation. So another relational piece, just slightly, slightly different. I love that because it's sometimes easy, like the body piece is something that I believe we're all kind of craving at a collective level. We've spent a lot of time in the intellectual space and, and I hear a lot of people say like, okay, like almost the words of like getting to know yourself in the wellness industry has become like rhetoric in and of itself. And now we're all looking for like the practice the practical application, like, how do I now apply this? And, and so sometimes it's easy for me to be like, the body is the, is the answer. <laughs> and like what, what you're saying, which is so beautiful is um, that the body is just another component that then it gets reintegrated into like, how does then that get woven into, um, into the cerebral, which is also super important so that we can have the language and, you know, how do we take those cues and, and just get a fuller human experience, like you said earlier. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I appreciate that grounding because I think it's, this work has been profound for me in my own healing journey. And I didn't realize it until this moment um, that I can put the body work on a pedestal um, because it has felt really impactful. And um it's no better or worse. And, uh, it's, it's an, it's another way for me to be able to understand who I am and, um, to not demonize the other pieces in that, in that, uh, exploration. Totally. Yes to all of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what the default is too, like to your yeah. point, I think it's easy to do that because the default is no longer the body which uh, this is like very random. I don't know. My brain goes to things, but like, imagine just a couple hundred years ago, I feel like we weren't doing that much with our brain. I mean, we were, but it was, I feel like it was mostly all in our body, <laughs> like the flipping over. Um, so yeah, I'm like, is it, can it be a scale versus a pedestal where things kind of, I don't know, but I like the body. Yeah. 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 What's the importance of having you as a, space holder for people going through this work you're making me talk about myself yes <laughs> <laughs> um for me what I think I bring to the table I love that at the beginning you said you don't have a bit like the opposite of bitching rest face right to me that is a big part of who I am I, the space I hold is very much this presence of I'm here with you and I I'm here with you and I see you and I think that's a really valuable piece that we all have and the more we can access that the more we can be in presence with one another of course I just feared it just everyone not just on me but you know <laughs> you can see me in my survival pattern <laughs> uh, I think that's a big piece is yeah like I said at the beginning too like I see everyone in their wholeness ultimately in a sense of like I'm here with you in your shit and I see you in your wholeness. So that's a big piece. I also love to make it fun. It doesn't have to be so serious. It doesn't have to be so like dark hole. Everything's wrong with me. Like what the hell? It's like, no, we're all human. We're all on a journey here. Like let's have some fun with it. Even though it's messy, even though it's gross, even though it's uncomfortable, it, it there's, 
more to the experience and let's hold it all and have fun here when possible. So that's one, a few things there. And I just love geeking out. <laughs> so any opportunity I have to geek out with people, like let's do this, you know? Yeah, there's a real inviting energy to you of like, I don't feel like you're trying to get me anywhere. Not that we're having a session right now or anything, but it doesn't feel like you're trying to like lead me to anything. It's, it is like, you're like, this is super fun. Let's see, like, like as if we're at an archeological dig and it's like, we have this whole land and we get to explore it however we want. And um, there is something really inviting to have a partner who is that excited to excavate with you um, and to know that they're not trying to get you any which way. Um, and that as things come up, there's like a normalization in it. Um, also, I'm just finding I'm a coach, which is probably why you're feeling, I like, <laughs> that's why my questions are like, what is, what's your experience like? Um, but uh, there is something that I'm exploring in like, learning how to be a stand in the world um, and shift my belief system to in being able to be a space holder who also is still learning who I am. And it's a very different type of space. And again, it's one where it's like, this is a lifelong journey. Like this is, I'm a, I'm a lifelong partner, potentially, if you feel resonance with me for as long as that makes sense for you. And it's okay if it doesn't. Um, that's, it's, we haven't necessarily had those types of partners. It's like, people are like here to give you this set of skills and then you're supposed to be complete with something and then you've been successful. And I'm, I'm grateful to hear other practice, other, other space holders is like the best way I can um, call it that are um, able to hold their own journey and know that they're also really great at holding space for other people going through their journeys too. It doesn't mean it's because we have it all figured out. It's actually because we are still so passionate and curious about continuing to figure it out for ourselves as well. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? No, other than yes, I a hundred percent agree and love it. <laughs> it's just real. We're all real. We're all here. We're all on the journey. Like, I think I know personally, I re resonate more with other practitioners that are on that same page. Like, let's be real and be on this. Like, I love the archaeology analogy, say that 10 times fast, because it's, yeah, we're here together unraveling each of our little treasures to, to then move through and continue to show up in the world in such a richer, deeper place. And yeah, like, yeah. Nothing more other than just reiterating. Yeah, but I would even say too, for like the type of work that you're doing and then like in the wellness space in general, when we're talking about dropping in the body and trauma and whatnot. Like, I think sometimes we get a little misguided in that space when people aren't being real because it's that covert manipulation and control that a lot of us are like experiencing the trauma from. And then we're basically just transferring it, thinking we're working on our wellness journey when really we've now taken this other person, this practitioner, and they're on some sort of pedestal. And we're like looking at them, like their gospel, like we did our caretakers or whoever in our life originated that, that experience for us. And when you can just be real and just, yeah, be like, this is the space I'm here with you, but 
I'm not trying to give you these 10 things and control your experience in what your experience in your body is is <laughs> like, that is healing in itself because a lot of us haven't had that experience and we don't even seek it out because we're like actually seeking out almost our trauma from growing up. I've, I don't, I feel like that just hit me in a way it's never had before. Like we've talked about that, but I'm like, wow, it's just like the cycle the wellness space is literally the cycle of control manipulation. I know, Rachel, we've talked about this so many times and I'm like, whoa, I don't know. I know I'm so passionate about this and I, I get really upset when I hear people who are holding a healing space and it's a, it's actually self-serving for them. It just, I have to walk and exhale a lot because, um, yeah, that's just, it's, it's, um, it's scary. It's really scary. Um, and I, I actually don't know. I think I used to think people were intentionally doing it and I actually think that they're not. Um, well, maybe some people are, but I think for a lot of people, they're unintentionally creating these recreating the trauma impact in within the wellness world. And I don't know to stop it. I think um, what I've come to is being a stand for myself in, um, you know, bringing the awareness to me and the types of spaces that I'm trying to hold and holding myself to um, my own level of integrity and connecting with others who are doing that and having conversations so that I, I can, you know, be willing to admit when I have fallen into that same unintentionality and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. I think my point bringing up is just Nicole. I appreciate that you are doing it differently than like other people before that you are holding that space. But, and I was like, holy shit, like I under, I felt it in my body. (laughs) Awesome. That's a big piece. Like, yeah. And I love that you are having conversations around that because it's something so important that People need to recognize like, okay, is this person I'm following or interested in or program that I might sign up for, are they just presenting from their survival patterns ultimately? And is this a trauma bond here? Like what is drawing me to them? What is drawing me to the work or to them and to really inquire? And, you know, we don't really have the tools to inquire. We're just like, oh, I like this. Is this intuition speaking or is this my trauma speaking, right? And my invitation is for people to recognize when trauma is speaking, it's usually pretty convincing, first of all, and with some attitude. And <laughs> it's got some vibes, you know, and there's some comfort in it. There's some familiarity in it versus a deeper knowing is just, it's not always quieter, but it has a more of an external feel to it. Like it's just a, it, it can have attitude too, because it's trying to redirect you and be like, hey, listen but there's something deeper to it. And I, I don't know if either of you have a something you want to share around how you can tell when something's more of a trauma response or a, a trauma bond stepping in that's leading you in the direction of something or a survival pattern versus deeper inner knowing intuition. Normally when I'm stewing over it, it's exactly what you said, the convincing piece. It's like, oh no, you like, like I'll, I have to have the dialogue, but the dialogue will be happening. And then like, oh, versus normally when it's my intuition, it's just like, oh yeah, this is going to be the thing. Like there's not that dialogue back and forth and convincing. And yeah, I think you described it perfectly. I'm like, 
you said it and I was like, oh shit, that's, that happens inside here. Yeah, I, I definitely, the experience is one of like, I do hear a voice. I didn't usually, I would have said previously that it's a, a knowing, um, but it's like a, I, I hear of, again, it's not like a voice, but I, I hear a knowing that comes from the bottom up and it's usually a very short phrase and it feels like it's got some like heft to it. Um, and it's, it's calm. And it just like, if I ask again, it just literally just repeats the same thing. And it's like that confident that it's just like, not going to give me any more than that. And then I'm just like, okay. Um, yeah, versus the other one, which tends to be, it feels like it's coming from the top down and there's a lot more words and it's convincing. Which, yeah. Convincing was a really, that was a good, yeah. good word. It's like my inner lawyer to stand. <laughs> I have you need this yeah. to survive. <laughs> you definitely need this. It's the best decision ever. Exactly. <laughs> That's, wow. Are you in my brain? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> Uh, well, we, we close. Well, first, I guess I'll ask, is there anything else here that needs to be said before we go into our final two questions? I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours, but it feels also done. Okay, perfect. Nicole, mm-hmm. how do you live your true north in one word? I'll have to throw wholeness in there. Keep it simple. And then if people want to get a hold of you, follow you, work with you, how could they go about doing that? Yeah. So I have some, uh, an online program. So you can check that out. It's called Discover. And then everything's obviously on my website, which is just my name. And I see O-L-E-L-O-H-S-E.com. And then Instagram is my main thing, Enlo's and YouTube you know, whenever social media calls to me without being gross and markety, <laughs> try to share as much as I can when the vibes are there. So yeah, I'd love to have conversations and um, love to have people join me on the journey through Discover. And unfortunately, I'm not taking people on one-on-one unless they're part of one of my other programs expand. Otherwise, I would absolutely love to support everyone one-on-one. But yeah, it's only as one of my programs so all the information's on my website do you want to plug discover a little bit more like what you know just like (laughs) the little like 60 seconds of what tease us out a little bit well truth bomb I'm doing a full revamp so (laughs) okay we can cut this out if you just want to say discover them but (laughs) no I can definitely still talk about it um ultimately my intention with discover is to give people the not just educational tools but also ways to self-reflect and self-explore to really get to know themselves more. So there's a lot of content in there that is either educational based or self-exploration and self-reflecting to really bring you into your body and make you inquire about your survival patterns and give you the tools to find those edges and to titrate and to really ultimately take some of this healing into your own hands because there is so much we can do by supporting ourselves and then also the community component of coming together and and this is the revamp piece I'm doing is I currently have it as um, 
and who knows when you're listening to this, but I currently have it as two separate things as a community and uh, the content, but I want to bring them back together. And there's so much value in recognizing you're not alone in this and that we are all having our experiences and, and within the community section, that's where I do more Q and A's and I do demo calls where I work with someone and then we talk about what happened and we pick apart like how you can implement and integrate that into your day to day. And there's so much in coming together in this journey. And that's a really important aspect for me. So discover in all its discoveries coming soon to you. <laughs> um, by the time we release this too, it'll probably, because it'll be a couple of months out. So it Perfect. may be done. Yeah, I was saying, maybe yeah. done for everyone <laughs> listening and go check it out. Just go to the website, see if it's updated. Just get, exactly. <laughs> get the traffic going. <laughs> I do have a free webinar too that gives some tools and gives some insight into the, just the nervous system itself and yeah, so that's cool. that's all, that's definitely there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll link out to all of that. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. This is yeah. I've been excited about this conversation since we first connected. I don't know how many more, how many months ago, but thank you for sharing your your knowledge and your expertise and your your energy with us. Thank you. And thank you for jamming with me. It's been a real good back and forth and all over the place and how we do it valuable yeah. valuable content that you're putting out here so thank you for having me and I want to acknowledge you because I know you said that you're you don't feel like your word you're great at the words piece um and I disagree and I think you have done a phenomenal job of bringing something that could seem very abstract and make it feel very inviting and relatable and like grounded and human. Um, we have attempted to have conversations about the body without knowing anything from like two seasons ago. I kind of want to go back and listen to those episodes where we're like, I wonder what, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it's been an honor to have somebody who's like deep in this, in this practice alongside us as we're in our own self-practice and to make it just so um, relatable and digestible. So thank you. Thank you. My experience here was one of feeling safe and feeling embodied in my words. So it, it takes three to tango awkwardly, but also beautifully. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Amazing. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at the to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.